But every single one of us has weakness. Every single one of us faces insult. Every single one of us, all of us, have hardship in our lives, right? And persecution and difficulties, that's just part of this world that we live in. And oftentimes we allow those things to make us think that we're destroyed because we see our weakness, our vulnerability in that. But the truth of God's word is in those very same things, that's where he becomes strong. That's where the ministry of Christ progresses. In fact, a couple of months ago, I heard one of the very best sermons I've ever heard on that very topic uh, from our own very Larry Strong called Crackpots. And if you want to go onto our website and listen to it, I encourage you to. Just powerful, powerful stuff. All right. But he's not preaching today. I am. So let's get to our message. Okay. Overcoming illness. Illness. Uh, I'm not talking just like you get in the, you know, the flu, although this would certainly count for that. But oftentimes when our bodies fail us and we have something that's chronically ill, something that just doesn't heal, it's in those times when that storm of life hits, uh, it it can be overwhelming, right? Uh, For anyone here that's ever gone through a long-term illness or a sickness, you know that your body feels like it's betrayed you, right? You you know that feeling of what, what do I do now? I can't fix this. And for anyone who's gone through that, recognize that illness is very much a thief. Right? In your life, when that chronic illness comes in, I mean, beforehand, you had certain things that you were able to do and a certain person you were able to be. And once it comes, it starts chipping away and stealing things from you time and time again. It's relentless and it's mean. I mean, uh, it steals your energy. Right? Because now the things that you used to do that were easy are very hard. Or maybe the illness itself steals your energy. And you just can't do what you wanted to do before. It steals your abilities. That's the point of it being an illness. It's a disability for you. It takes away your abilities. Stuff that maybe you were proud of, that you were once, this is what I was, I was able to. I can't do anymore. And that's frustrating. It takes away your hobbies, the things that you like to do. The stuff that you normally used to do and just took for granted, the things that you enjoyed in life are now restricted from you. And that's frustrating. In fact, it's infuriating. That it would steal that from you. But it does. It will steal your dreams. The things that you always thought that you wanted to do. Your vision of your future now changes and alters. And you think, that's horrible. It, it steals your money. It, there is nothing more expensive in the United States or I think in this world than being sick. That's just the way that it is. It doesn't matter how much insurance you have. You get sick. It costs a lot. It also steals your relationships. There are things that you used to have the ability to do to spend time with people to do stuff, and now you can't. And so you find relationships that you once so enjoyed now begin to to lessen. And it also can steal your sense of self-worth. I've seen it many, many times where somebody gets sick and then they have all these things and the sickness steals and steals and steals and steals from them. And they wonder, why am I even here? Everything that I thought I was good at, everything that I thought was my identity, I can't do anymore. Am I even valuable anymore? The thing is, is that illness is a horrible thing. It, it, is, it is pain to the max. In fact, if people would say, what I, should I fear death or illness more? Man, fear illness, right? Because death, you go to heaven. But illness is something that you just live with. It's a thief in your life that you can't kick out. But you know, that's not the end of the story. And I have no idea how those with illness can live without Christ. If, 
if there was, if that was the end of the story, it would be so depressing. But that's not the end of the story. In fact, today we're going to follow somebody who proved to us that it wasn't. His name was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a, a powerhouse of faith. No one would deny this, right? Just, it's an amazing man. And he writes in 2 Corinthians about a thorn in the flesh, and we're going to get to that. Let's talk about what leads him up to this point. The Apostle Paul begins as Saul of Tarsus, wealthy, educated, ambitious, has a future. Right? He's doing all these things, persecuting the church and, and raising his, his identity in the ranks of the Jewish uh, uh, hierarchy. And he was going to absolutely, I was on track to be in the Sanhedrin. Right? He was, he was top notch. And then he goes to Damascus because he's so good at persecuting Christians in Jerusalem, they start to spread everywhere, and now there's Christians in other places. So he goes up to the next largest city, Damascus, which is now also having a, a massive revival, and people were coming into Christ. And so he goes up there. And on his way up to Damascus, God knocks him off his donkey, which he was riding on. Right? Boom! Shows up. Says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's like, uh... Now, here's an amazing thing that happens. It says he saw a bright light, and then he was blind. And so he had to have his, his companions lead him by the hand to a place in, up there in Damascus. And then he gets met by this man who was a Christian who explains Christ to him. And once he does, it says the scales fell off his eyes, or things like scales. Like, how gross would that be? But he could see, so he's happy. But that was the beginning of what likely would have been Paul's eye trouble. Then what happens is Paul meets with the Lord. He's got three years where God meets with him. In fact, at one point, it says in Corinthians, it says that he got taken up into the third heaven. He said, if I'm going to boast about anything, I'll boast about that. But I'm not going to boast about that. <laughs> right? he, got, he, he met with the Lord. Jesus gave him the coolest Sunday school ever. Learns about him all the way through. Right? And then he starts this ministry. And he goes and plants the church on all these different mission trips. Now, on his first mission trip, things didn't always go well for Paul. In fact, uh, we read uh, in uh, Acts 14 that uh, it's Acts 14 to 19. is what it says this. That some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over because he was teaching about Jesus. And they didn't want people. They were like, no, we don't like Jesus. So they went and got the crowd to say, we don't like Jesus either. And then it says, then they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. You have to really beat up somebody to think they're dead. Right? And they thought he was dead. Then they drug his body without any good ceremony, without any respect. They just drug him out of the city and just left him there. Like, just to be eaten by the wild animals. That's what they were, that's where their thinking was. But it says, after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up. He went back into the city. This is the kind of man Paul was. He was tough. You get beat to near death, right? You get drug out of the city. He wasn't carried on a stretcher. He gets up. And he walks back, right back into the city, right, which is brave. But then it says this, but the next day he and Barnabas left uh, for Derby. Now, you remember from our series in Galatians that Derby was one of the churches in Galatia, right? And he goes and he preaches in Galatia. This is at the very beginning of his ministry. One of the very first things that happens to him in his ministry, his missionary journey, is he gets beat to near death. And so if you think you had a rough first week on the job, right, <laughs> things pretty tough. All right, so he goes to Galatia, and this is what it says in Galatians 4. He writes Galatians about 20 years later, 
And he writes this to the Galatians. He says, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. What illness? Being beat near to death. Okay? And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt nor scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel from God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing for me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. And because of that, a lot of scholars think, well, one of the issues that Paul had from that beating was they probably damaged his eyes pretty bad. Right? And he writes to them saying, because why would he, else would he say, you would have torn out your eyes from me? That's kind of a weird thing to say to somebody. Right? He was beaten. And if you are a scholar, can you imagine anything worse to lose than your eyesight? Now what used to be so easy for him to get into the scrolls and to read and to write now became difficult and hard. Now, Paul, 20 years later, writes to Galatian church and something must not have changed too much with his eyesight because at the very end of his letter he writes in Galatians 6, it says, see what large letters I use as I write with you with my own hand. Two decades had passed and he still bears the wounds. That's, a, that's incredible. Now think how hard that is. Not just, he just not just got beat up, but he was maimed. And he lived with this illness for his whole life. Now if that's what he's talking about when he says thorn in the flesh, maybe. Maybe it's not. Could have been something totally different. Maybe it was a sin or a difficult person. One of my very favorite things, you look on the internet through this because I was looking for pictures, and it was Paul in prison writing with leg stocks on, and right next to him was SpongeBob. And he writes, I was given this thorn in the flesh. And SpongeBob's like, what you writing, Paul? What you're... So, maybe, I don't know. Messenger of Satan. That was just hilarious, whoever wrote that. But whatever it was, Paul had this issue that made it difficult, but one of the issues that he definitely had was he had this physical ailment for any scholar. He, he wrote most of the books in the New Testament. Can you imagine most authors who can write without seeing well? It's phenomenal. So Paul writes all of these things. And then after he writes Galatians, he writes today's passage, which we're going to be in, 2 Corinthians 12. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. These were no light letters for Paul. These were letters written after two decades or more of pain and difficulty and hardship. Knowing what suffering is, he lived with the thief and he overcame it. And so how did he do that? That's what we're going to talk about today. Some things that I look into Paul's life, how did he overcome this, horrible, this difficult thing? The first thing I see that Paul did is that he invited God into the struggle. You see, <clears throat> illness has lots of different um, sources. Right? For Paul, it was being beaten. Okay? And for some people in our lives, it's, it's from those things. It was being beaten or being in an accident or having something happen to you where it maims you. That's an illness. Right? That, that's, that lives with you. And that's the source of it. 
In fact, in Genesis 3, it says that we're part of a fallen world. That's just what happens. And sometimes it's nature, right, being part of this fallen world. Sometimes you just have lousy genes. And that, that's what happens. Sometimes it's consequences. Proverbs talks about this. You know, you may have an addiction in your life, and you end up destroying your liver, right? And, I, and I, it just boggles my mind as we as people, if somebody does that, like say they have a drinking problem and they destroy their liver, or they have a smoking problem and, and then they end up with lung cancer, we're like, oh, well, he smoked or he drank, so he, somehow he deserves now to have this. Like we're cold-hearted about this. If you have a sickness, you have a sickness. It's pain. It's horrible. It's not the design. But sometimes it is consequence that leads us to it, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. It doesn't make it any less devastating for you. But Proverbs talks about there are consequences. Sometimes it's, it's an attack on us. Job talks about this. Sometimes we are faced with attack. <laughs> Spiritual, sometimes it's people. But sometimes we're attacked, and that leads us to sickness. In Romans, especially the first chapter Paul talks about, sometimes it's sin. Right? That we have sin in our lives, that just that we engage in things, and all of a sudden, guess what? We wind up sick or maimed or hurt. And that's what happens. But you know, regardless of what causes it, whether it's sin or the attack or its consequences or it's just nature, and you, you have this thief in your life, and it can be devastating for you. But regardless of any of those things, too, there is a God who can overcome it. And that's important for us to, th- to realize. And so the very first thing that we need to do when illness comes into our life is to ask that God to engage, right? And this is what Paul does. Paul writes in there, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Not just like I asked him, he pleaded, God, come on. Paul knew that Jesus could heal, right? He, he, Paul himself was able to heal people. Because he was an apostle. He'd seen God take away physical ailments. Which is fascinating. Right? And we read the Gospels and we see Jesus time and time again healing people. And so we know he has the power to do it. And we know he has the presence to do it because the Holy Spirit is with us. But the frustrating thing, if you're sick and, 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 and you don't get better, is, well, here's God. He's got the power and the presence. Why won't he heal me? Right? And we'll address that in a minute because that's a very important question. But the bigger question is, have we asked God to engage? Because I guarantee this, in Jesus' day, nobody was healed unless they went to Jesus for healing. Unless they engaged God in, in, in it, right? There weren't lepers that were all of a sudden in the leper place, all of a sudden just like, oh, I'm better, right? They went to Jesus and they asked him and Jesus made them better. You know, almost a decade ago, my wife got sick. And it, it made, at first we ignored it. We thought, no, no, we'll get better. Then we, we'd look to the doctors. And then when that wasn't working, we went to prayer. <laughs> right? And, and God didn't heal her body, but he did something much better, which we'll talk about a little bit. But you know what? All that time that we, we weren't engaging God, I couldn't be confident that she wasn't just suffering outside of God's will. The unique thing about the Christianity is that we have a God who loves us. And I have seen people healed, just like Paul did. He had presence of mind to say, okay, Jesus, heal me, please. If we're not asking God into this difficult thing, we can't stand with assurance that, there, that we are suffering for his purposes. 
we have to pray. It's an important thing. In fact, James 5.13 says this. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Here's the thing. The very first thing we need to do in the midst of our illness, when this thief comes into our life, is to ask God to take it away. And he may do it. We have to have every, every confidence that he can. And he can. And there are times that he does. So to engage him. But, like Paul, there are times that he doesn't. Paul engaged God first, and he prays three times. And three times, God says, no. What now? Well, I'll tell you what now. The very first thing is he recognizes that now his suffering is not outside of God's plan or God's will. There is, there is now a purpose in his suffering. God is now doing something much greater in him and through him than he would have done otherwise. And that leads us to our second survival tip is then to recognize the opportunity. This is exactly what Paul does. He's there in the opportunity. He says, okay, I have prayed for God to take this away. God has said no. Now, either God's a big fat meanie or he's who he says in the word that he is and he loves me and he loves me so much and he loves this world so much that he deems this worthy. This, he deems that this is important. In fact, Paul writes, he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Right? There is opportunity in this. Paul got to the point of saying, okay, it's not that God is mean. It's not that God has abandoned me, but God is now doing something in me. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to do something far greater than I could ever do on my own. Romans 8.28, Paul writes later on, he says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And you say, how can my sicknesses be something good? Your sickness isn't something good. God is using that weakness to do something good. God is using that weakness to do something far greater than you could ever do on yourself. That is a hard journey between the first and the second survival tip. Let me just tell you. Uh, for Amy and me, we went through that first one. We prayed and God said no. And for both of us, we had to go through some pretty dark roads till we recognized that there was opportunity in it. We would say, okay, God, you say you're present. You say you will heal if we ask the elders to pray. We asked the elders to pray many times. And she didn't get better. And he said, oh, my grace is to be sufficient. We're like, I don't want your grace to be sufficient. I want to be healed. No, no, I want you to do something. God said, no, I don't want to do that thing. I want to be better. But God said, no. And so it made us upset with him because I felt like, God, why aren't you healing? Why not? How could this possibly be better? And there came a point in both Amy and my faith where we had to say, in my perspective at that time, in her perspective at that time, God seemed very distant. God seemed very much like a liar because he said that he was going to heal and he wasn't. Right? He said that he was loving and he didn't feel very loving. Right? He said he was close, but he certainly didn't feel close. And so my experience said God was not anything that he said he was going to be. And I had to choose. Am I going to live by what I see? by my experience, which is such a tiny picture in the scope of all things, or am I going to live by what I know to be true? 
And you know what allowed me to choose? It was the very thing that Mike was talking about this morning. I was sitting right there on one Sunday morning as we were, as we were about taking communion, and I, and I just was enamored at the cross because the cross is the, it's the irrefutable evidence that God loves us, that God came near, that God is powerful, and he is committed to our healing. I would have to throw my brain out. I really would to deny the resurrection. There is so much evidence for it. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And I know that's true. And if Jesus rose from the dead, he truly is God. And if he truly is God, right, he has the power to, to do everything that he said to do. But if he rose from the dead, it also means this. He died, right, because it's hard to raise from the dead if you're not dead. Logic. Right. He rose from the dead. And if God died, if God died, he died for a reason. And I can take his word why that was. He died for my sins. I didn't deserve it. He came when I didn't deserve it because he loved me. And if God loved me, then he loves me. Then he loves me still. And though my experience says otherwise, God is a healer. God is a God that's present. God is a God of redemption. And because of that, I chose and Amy chose, we will live by faith like Paul did. And he recognizes this one thing. Once we recognize that and finally took our foot off the dock in the boat, because <laughs> we couldn't keep it there forever, and you just fall in. Once we recognize we had to choose a path and we chose, something amazing happened in both of us as we recognized this truth became very real to us, that God's grace becomes very sufficient. His power truly is made perfect in our weaknesses. It's not just light words. Paul wrote these through scars and pain. And we hold to them through scars and pain, because they are true. They are the power to overcome. So recognize the opportunity. You know, my wife, before she got sick, had an amazing ministry in this body. She did. She was able to love people, have people over, and do all kinds of things, and she was able to keep our house neat and do all these things that she found were fun, and we had all these hobbies and things that we liked to do, and we had dreams of what we wanted to be, and those were taken away, and when they were taken away, God did something amazing for her. When she can't get out of bed, you know what she does? She prays for you. By name. Our church family. You know the power in that? You know what else she does? She does? She goes on to social media, which blows my mind because I don't understand it. But she does because she has time to. And God has given her a ministry that are leading people to Christ that are hopeless, that have no church in their life. There is opportunity. So you have opportunity in your brokenness, but you have to seize it. But that's not just it. There's something even more important. We see that for a moment. We have to let God redeem the suffering. You have to let God redeem it. If you become bitter in your brokenness, that's where you stay. And you waste it. It's like God gave you this phenomenal tool to do amazing things, to build wealth in the kingdom, to build other people up, to live for what truly matters. But if we become bitter, we don't let God to, to redeem it. We sit on that tool. We waste it. We squander it. It's the whole idea of the talents where some people are given more, but they also can receive a whole lot back, can't they? If you recognize the opportunity and do nothing, we're foolish. 
We have to say, I'm willing to invest this very thing. That's why I love that crackpot sermon so much. It was just an amazing illustration. Where if you crack a pot, then you glue it back together, and there's holes in it, right? And then you put light inside. Guess where the light shines through? All those little holes, right? It is the areas of our gaps, our weaknesses, that's the power of God in us, that he can do something amazing. But we have to let him do it. You have to be willing to say, I'm not going to reject my sickness anymore like Paul didn't. He prayed three times. God said, no. And what did he do? He said, all right, then I'm going to boast all the more in this. I don't know how he did that. Maybe it's like, hey, I'm super blind. Perfect. I don't know how he did it. Maybe he, he used that opportunity to, to bring faith into the scribes that were with him. I don't know. But somehow he was wise enough to say, I'm going to use this to glorify God. And you know what? A blind man or a near blind man that was beaten up ends up penning most of the New Testament. Can God be strong in our weakness? Yeah, I think so. That's what he says here. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. Gladly. Crazy word. I'm not there yet, but someday I will be there. More gladly about my weaknesses. I'm happy this happened to me. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, he says, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The reality is we're all weak, aren't we? We all have things in our life that hinder us, that hold us back. But Paul recognized he didn't just survive illness. He overcame, didn't he? He recognized the truth of this, that God is bigger than our brokenness. In fact, God is so amazing, he uses it. And I am so glad about that. That when we suffer and we pray and we put it in God's hands and he says, no, I want you to go through this, then we say, all right, God, you have purpose in it and he will redeem it. He will do mighty, powerful things that will bless you in this world far beyond what could have happened if you weren't willing to suffer. That's amazing. Doesn't that give you hope? It certainly does for me. We see these in, in his words. It says this, to overcome illness, to survive life. When I look at the Apostle Paul, this is what I find. We invite God into the struggle. Right? We have to let God in there. We have to pray. It's important that the church pray for the sick. Right? But we also have to trust his answer. We recognize the opportunity. If God heals you and delivers you from an illness, isn't there opportunity in that too? Are you praising God? Are you bringing him glory? Yes. But on the flip side, it also must be true. If he chooses to say no, then are you looking at the opportunity? Are you looking at what God has for you and trusting that he is using this because he's true to his word and he loves you? And are you going to let him redeem the suffering? Are you going to allow him to say, all right, God, this is yours. I'm putting it in your hands. You're a mighty and a powerful God. And if, you cho- if you've asked me to walk through this, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to redeem it. Right? And all you have to do, this is the simplest thing. You don't have to wonder how he's going to redeem it. All you have to do is live faithfully. That's it. That's all Paul did. Just live faithfully in his circumstances. So I'm going to stand with you, God. I'm going to give you glory, even in the midst of this. In fact, I will give you glory because of this. And choose to do that. And God will glorify himself. He's not stupid. He brought you to this. He'll bring you through it. He'll, he'll take and he'll do exactly what he wants to do, which are amazing good things. So, to survive, invite God, recognize this opportunity, and let God redeem the struggle. That's how we do it. 
It's an amazing, isn't it? Hopeful truth. Well, as we bring this message to a close, what I'd like you to do is the worship team comes up and uh, prepares to, to close us. I would also like to take out your connection card because on the back of it, this is one of those verses that you would say, what kind of things can I do about this? You know, that's a great truth from God's word, but how does it apply to my life? Well, I have some ideas, some ways that we can begin you on the steps of faithfulness in the midst of this, to, to put application to God's word. The first thing is to memorize 2 Corinthians 2.10. Why? Because if this wasn't true, then there would be no hope in suffering. Where there, would there be, you know? But because of this, because of what we read in 2 Corinthians, we recognize there is power in suffering. There is purpose in suffering. Right? There is God's providence in our suffering. And therefore, we can truly grow to be glad about those things. That, that when the hard things in life happen, our weaknesses, we don't have to worry about those. When people insult us and we think, oh, no, that's going to be so difficult, we can say, you know what? There's a strength in that. Right? When, when hardships come our way or, or when, when there are difficulties that hit us, we don't have to be knocked off our, and onto our heels and wonder, where is God in this? Does life have meaning? Do I still have purpose? No, no, no. This verse tells us the truth, that God is powerful today just as much as he was yesterday. In fact, he's going to be powerful forever. And he has purpose in these things, and he's using them. Maybe this is the verse that you need to remind yourself of his sovereignty in your life and his purpose in your life. Hold on to this. Maybe this week that's what you memorize and think about and hold to, this truth. And maybe you're not going through hardship today. Well, bad news for you. You will sometime. Better to have this on cue. But I also have some good news for you. God will have purpose in that, and he will carry you through it. Maybe it's this. Maybe you read the book of Job. Why? Above any book in the Bible, this dude understood suffering. <laughs> right? If you want to understand, just like, I don't get it. Suffering just hit. He doesn't get the whole picture, but how does he walk through it? One, you'll find someone in Scripture that can understand the overwhelming, the, th- the thief-like nature of, of illness. But also you'll see faithfulness in the midst of this, and you'll see God's heart. Maybe it's to read the book of Job this week. How about this? Maybe you ask God to redeem your suffering. Maybe you're in the midst of suffering, and you recognize, I prayed that God would take it away, and guess what? He hasn't. So maybe the next thing is to say, you know what, God? Redeem it. If, if you're going to allow me to be sick, then please do what you want to do through it glorify yourself. Help me be faithful, but ask him to redeem it because that's a prayer he always will answer. Now this, list at least one thorn ministry in your opportunity. What I mean by this, we all have weaknesses, difficulties, hardships, right? Things that we don't like. We all have thorns in our flesh, right? Messengers of Satan to keep us down, but there's opportunity in every one of those. Paul could boast in them. You know, you can too. But oftentimes we don't see those opportunities because we're not looking for them. You look in your life and what is that thing that's just driving you nuts right now? It doesn't even have to be a physical illness. It could be something else. But you have a thorn. If you have a thorn, you have an opportunity. So think about that one thing and say, God, what is something that I can do? How can you help me turn this (laughs) into something that brings glory to you, that brings help and hope for other people, that brings purpose in the midst of this? List them down. At least one. I think you'll be amazed at how many you'll be able to list. But look at the opportunities that God has set before you to make you just amazingly wealthy in his kingdom. How about this? Maybe there's something else that you, I haven't listed, but you know the Holy Spirit's calling you to do something this week. Well, let us know about it. I'll pray with you and I'll encourage you as you keep that, 
that, uh, that, that promise. And you know, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. He's not your Lord and Savior. And, and so you don't have these promises. You know what? There's a God for you that's big enough to handle those things. At the cross, remember God loves us and he redeems these things. If, if you need not just forgiveness from your sins, but hope for today, Jesus is there for you. If you need to make a decision to follow him or you want some more information, what does it mean to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior? There's a check mark on this other side that says, I would like information about starting a relationship with Jesus. I encourage you to check that drop in the offering. But I also encourage you to come talk with me. And make sure that I have good contact information for you. Because following Jesus is not about checking off a box. It's about giving him your life because he walks with you. It's an amazing thing. If you have that decision to make, I encourage you to do so. In a few minutes, we're going to take our offering. And I want you to drop these green, these green cards in there. Plus, if you have any other prayer requests, make sure you write them down because we'd love to pray for you. If you drop those in the offering, uh, along with your, your tithes and your offerings, make sure you drop those in too. Um, then we will receive those and we will offer those to our Lord and he will use them for his ministry. Great things. All right? Well, let's pray right now for our offering uh, before we take it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for you, that you are God, that you are on your throne that Christ is with you, who loves us and intercedes for us daily, constantly. That your Holy Spirit is with us and dwells with us, Father. That you are not far off, but you are giving us the power and the desire and the ability to bring about your kingdom in this world. Father, I pray for this congregation that you would continue to build your heart in us, Father that you'd help us to reveal your heart through our ministry to this community. And Father, there are so many that are so broken. And Lord, I thank you that in your word we find that it's that very brokenness that gives us strength. So Lord, let us find our strength in you and allow you to use our weaknesses and our brokenness and our hardships and our difficulties. Father, for your glory. Father, for the healing of others. Father, and even for our benefit, as it says in your word, that you bring all things, work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, uh, take these and our tithes and our offerings. I pray that you would take all of them and multiply them, Father, and that you would do your good work. And I thank you that we can trust you to do so because you are the true living God. We pray this in Jesus' name.